The Vandy wide receivers will be productive despite lack of experience. This is Locked on Vandy. Let's go. You are Locked on Vandy, your daily podcast on the Vanderbilt Commodores, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Vandy Podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Corey Burton. Today, we're going to be getting into how the wide receiver room for Vanderbilt football can be productive despite the lack of experience. Uh, what does a Clark Lee defense actually look like? What are the concerns? What are the pluses? And the transfer spotlight for Vandy baseball, we're going to look at Jacob Humphrey. He's one of four incoming transfers. We'll look to make an immediate impact uh, for him in the Outfield. So we'll take a look at what he brings to the table for the Vandy boys. So this is the Locked on Vandy podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as a part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets for your first $5 for your You'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. So Vandy's wide receiver room, they don't have star power. They don't have a lot of experience, but they have something to prove and they will be productive. And there's a lot of reasons why. So we're going to get into that. All right. Uh, Jade McGowan, he's gone. Will Shepard. He's gone. London Humphreys. He's gone. So what do we make of this? Do we do we look at Jamarion Carter? No, because he's gone. Okay, well, you know, well, surely, uh, you know, Davion Walker will, you know, he'll step up, right? You know, I, I think he has a really good chance to be good. Oh yeah, for for uh, for FAMU. So uh, those guys are gone. Okay. Um, so what, what's left of all of this? Okay. Um, so you look at the list. All right. The 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 incomers, the incumbents. Uh, Junior Cheryl, who had a really nice, um, he had a really nice finish to the season. Had some really good moments. Um, Quincy Skinner, um, when he's healthy, he's pretty good. Um, Richie Hoskins is somebody that can uh, that can uh, chip in. Ezra McAllister uh, again just can't stay healthy, but uh, has a lot of talent. So those are the guys that were already on the roster before the transfer portal even opened. All right, so so you're going to add to that list. You're going to add Jeremiah Dillon, who we've talked about. He is a uh, he, he's a deep ball threat that was described by Stephen Willis as smooth. Uh, he's, he runs a 10.53 in the 100 meter. Uh, you have Loic Foundy from Texas Tech. He is big, physical receiver, uh, really good at uh, really good possession guy, really good big target, physical guy, will block on the edge. Uh, he is 6'4, 215. Uh, and he uh, he can also run, though. He ran a 21.42 in the 200 meters. Um, but again, he struggled with injuries. Jeremiah Dillon can't crack the two deep, right? Um, Junior Cheryl has a lot to prove now. He was in the shadows of Jaden McGowan and uh, London Humphrey and Will Shepard. 
he's got a lot to prove. Now you have these incoming freshmen that see an opportunity. Now you have incoming freshman Tristan Brown, who, according to Barton Simmons, very well could be the fastest guy on the team. He's your jet sweep guy, possibly return man. Um, he he is he he can do a lot of different things with his speed that will make him a uh, a del- a major delight for defenses. And when I say that, I say that very sarcastically, right? He's uh, he's somebody that's going to give defenses a lot of problems with with his with his speed and, and quickness to the edge. Uh, Marquise Barrett and Joseph McVeigh also. Uh, they'll have a chance to kind of get in there and compete a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, none of these guys are uh, are early enrollees. Uh, the only one that's an early enrollee is Whit, Be- Whit Edwards, which will um, – he's kind of a weird case. He's listed as a defensive end, will probably end up playing offense before it's all said and done. Uh, don't really know kind of what he's going to do. He's kind of like a – He's one of those tweeners, right? He he's really fast off the edge. He could play an edge guy if he if he could bulk up uh, on defense. But I could also see him catching passes as kind of like a bigger wide receiver, like tight end wide receiver body type, you know. Um, but uh, again, it's um, it's going to be an interesting room because you know when when you have a lot of guys with something to prove, it's really really dangerous. You have some talented guys like Jun- Junior Cheryl was one that really jumped off at me. He had a really nice game against Tennessee. There was that trick play that even faked out the cameraman where he where he kind of snuck out there and uh, he was wide open. He's made several several big catches. Quincy Skinner, um, again, uh, in flashes because he's only been able to really flash on the field uh, between depth chart uh, issues and injury issues. Uh, Jeremiah Dillon is – He's probably got the most approved because he's somebody that's coming from Ole Miss that wasn't good enough to crack the rotation, um, but was good enough probably to start at most other most other universities. So again, he's somebody that I think in this system will will benefit tremendously because of his deep ball abilities, his smooth route running, his just. He's really fast. He's really sudden, and he and he does a good job with the ball in the air too. So he's somebody that I think in the play action game will be really really good, um, and he'll have he'll have uh, something to prove. Loic Found Loic Foundry is somebody that I'm really excited about because like he he's going to take on the role of he's going to be he's going to run curl routes, hitch routes, like. Corners are going to get tired of tackling him. Like he's he's the guy, kind of like Colby Taylor on defense, kind of like that same same build where he's just like big, tall. Just you're he's just out there, and you're just like, good lord, like that is a that that is a big dude. Like, what are we going to do with that? You know, what are we going to do against that? Like, he's going to catch hitches and slants and curls and things that we got to come up and make a tackle on him as he drops his shoulder on us. Like what? What? What is? What are we going to do with that late in the game? Because that's going to get really, really old tackling him, and uh, I'm I'm here for that. And I think Tim Beck will take advantage of that. Now, what to make of these freshmen? Your slot guys, obviously Tristan Brown, right? And what Tim Beck really likes to do scheme wise with the jet sweep is is uh, he likes to feature that with the quarterback run game. Uh, they run the jet power read, and sometimes they'll run tailback jet power read. And this guy can – he has a chance to hit home runs. He has a chance to, to, to get the edge, and he has a chance to go. 
Like I, I, I think he's somebody like having somebody like Tristan Brown with perimeter speed, uh, fast screen type speed, like bubble screen type speed, uh, orbit motion uh, type things and uh, different different avenues, stuff that Keyshawn Johnson would have done had he stayed on board. But uh, I, I think when you when you look at what what he can do, that really when I talk about the offensive line, that really kind of uh, it really kind of opens things up a little bit. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to do like a slow countdown of like top storylines coming into spring. Now, Steve did five storylines. He did all in one episode. I'm going to stretch this thing out. Right. I'm going to I'm going to do. I'm going to do your top storylines. And this is, you know, outside of the quarter, outside of the obvious quarterback battle, this is going to be kind of the obvious one as well. This is going to be kind of the most, because because this this position has a lot to kind of figure out. You know, does Marquise Barrett and Joseph McVay, do they have a chance of getting in somewhere? Um, does Wood Edwards kind of get a chance of playing like that uh, 10 personnel tight end? I say that with air quotes because, like, he, he's like a bigger receiver. Um, but, uh, you know, what, what's going to happen with this? There, there's, there's a lot of potential here and I'm excited because like scheme wise, you can get creative with these guys. Like you can do different things. Um, Jeremiah Dillon's going to be kind of your all around guy. He's going to be able to run crossing routes. You're going to be able to move him all over the formation. Uh, Loic Foundry is going to be a guy that's on the edge that people hate to tackle. Uh, Tristan Brown, Junior Sherrill, those guys are going to be kind of squirrely across the middle on on crossing routes, uh, deep out routes, uh, hitting the perimeter, corner routes, uh, whip routes, option routes, things things that kind of get them in space. And once you get those guys one on one with somebody with a defender in space, uh, it, it's it's not a good situation. And um, so that's going to be exciting. So there's a lot of things scheme wise you can get creative, uh, creative with with these guys. And there's a lot of I think the expectations are low as well, which helps because you know the, people look at Vandy's wide receiver room and they're like, well, a Tim Beck's not going to throw the ball very much, and that's not true. Um, but uh, B, they're going to have high expectations. Which you're in the SEC, you're always going to have high expectations. So don't say that the I'm not going to say that there's no expectations or low expectations, but relative to like other positions, they're probably on the lower end of like, okay, we're like, if we get anything out of these guys um, collectively, this is going to be a good season. And they have a chance to kind of like get a lot of guys, very valuable experience without that superstar mentality. And I, I think there was some chemistry problems with, with, the, with the three guys that left like McGowan and Shepard, I think became uh, superstars and got tired of the losing culture. And so I don't blame them. I probably would too. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I would have acted the same way that, that I've heard Will Shepard, but um, you know, they've moved on. So I'm not going to harp on them. They've moved on. McGowan's at South Carolina. Wish him well. Uh, Will Shepard, wish him well. I think he's at Colorado. So wish him well. I'm root, I'm always rooting for Dion. I, I like Dion. I'm a fan of Dion. Um, and you know, London Humphreys down in Georgia, like wish him well, like these, I don't wish ill will on these guys. These guys moved on. Right. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work out for them here. They just didn't feel like it worked out well for them. They probably got frustrated and they probably, you know, did some things that they probably not the greatest. And they probably did things that they probably would admit that are not the greatest. And, uh, they're in better situations. 
or at least that's how they feel. So here we go. We got a new crew. We got a new crew that that I want to focus on, give all the attention to, and they're hungry, and they're willing, and they're they're ready to they're ready to absolutely rock and roll. So I'm excited about this group. I, I think there's a lot of things we can do. We'll see kind of how all this plays out in the spring. We'll see kind of how the incumbent guys are, uh, including the transfers and kind of see where they fit, who fits where, what they're going to, how they're going to use some of these guys, um, what schemes they're going to, what schemes they're going to go with, like all that good stuff. So I'm excited. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm also excited to see kind of what this, what Clark Lee's defense can do. Um, I, I think his defense is going to be very, very interesting. Uh, there, there's a lot of things involved with this defense. It's very multifaceted, uh, but uh, we're going to talk about that here next. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. So happy Super Bowl to all that celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and playing some super bets. So I love, I'm going to, you think you're thinking, think this is a cop out, but I love all the above. The whole Super Bowl experience is phenomenal. The lead up, the game, the food, like Buffalo chicken dip, pizza, crescent rolls, you know, the veggie pizza that, that we have uh, for my, for my vegetarian friends. Um, the um, sausage balls, the dips, the Rotel dips and the cheese dips and the corn dips and the buffalo chicken dips, like all of that stuff, man. I just, I just freaking load up. And then, of course, chicken wings is always a good choice too. All right. Um, I also like betting props. Like who, what color Gatorade is going to be dumped? Uh, does the national anthem go over and under? And depending on who's singing it, it could be like over two and a half minutes or whatever. Um, also like the standard over under and uh, spread. So FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three or four or five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Uh, not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored. Um, they break it down by half and so, so much more. Uh, there's a ton. You'll get lost in it, actually. New customers, if you join today, you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an unofficial sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, welcome back. It's uh, the Locked On Vandy Podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen. It's Vanderbilt Commodores all day or every day um, right here on YouTube and wherever you find your podcast. We're not all day every day. I'm not 24-7, but uh, I'm sure some of you wish I was. Thanks for making us your first listen. Thank you to the everydayers. Man, without you guys, I couldn't do what I do. This is this is awesome, man. Huge thank you to the everydayers. Also follow us on social media at Locked On Vandy on X and Instagram. And you can follow me at Coach Burton36 on X as well. So um, defensive philosophy, man. Like this is kind of another storyline. It's kind of like a bigger storyline that's not just like we're gonna see the very first layer of it in the spring, but like this was kind of like an instant storyline when Clark Lee decided to take over 
uh, as defensive play caller. And I'm gonna talk kind of I'm gonna kind of break down the complete overhaul in the operation and why I think this will lead to a to a more successful season for Clark Lee. Um, but uh, I'm going to kind of get into the first aspect of it, right? We're going to break that down uh, piece by piece as we go as well, because like the way the staff is broken down, I'm going to talk about that in future episodes. But, you know, I, I think I think the first big domino is him deciding that, hey, enough's enough, man. Like these coordinators just didn't work out. Um, they weren't ready for the SEC. They weren't ready for Vanderbilt. So I'm going to do what, I did to get myself in this position. I'm going to call the defensive plays. To me, that is a phenomenal idea. And for him to do that, uh, I think just has hit. He, he finally, or at least he's showing, he may have always had this awareness, but he's finally showing that he has the awareness that his program stinks right now because it just, he just kind of let everything kind of slip and he was trying to be the CEO. And I, you know, I appreciate that. And, you know, you, you have, you know, bigger things to oversee and you got to see the whole picture, but you know, where it's uh, you know, where it kind of slipped was like the minor details that he just wasn't. And a lot of that is just experience. Like he, you know, even in three years, if you've never been a head coach, like it takes you a long time to really find that perfect balance of seeing all the little details and managing all the little details and uh, keeping a big picture view of your program uh, as well. So that's a very kind of a tough thing to do. So um, applaud him for doing that. He's hired some guys that will help him with, with the smaller details and kind of like some of the uh, really kind of gritty work that a head coach can't do as a play caller. Like he's got some really good guys in place to do that and help him carry that load. So uh, for that, I I think he's going to be, he's going to, I think that's going to help him as well. So uh, philosophy wise, like what I really like about this Clark Lee defense is I just like the overall aggression. I watched some more, uh, I watched some more clips. I watched some more things uh, from different games from the 2019 season. And uh, one thing I noticed about a common theme, a common thread that I noticed about his defense is that they're moving, man. They move and they blitz. He's aggressive. And the, and I noticed, like, especially in the red zone, but they played a lot of man coverage. So like with that, like he, he, here's the here's the plus and minus of, of kind of having a more aggressive philosophy. When you blitz a lot, when you stunt and slant the way Notre Dame did that year and the way Vandy will likely do, is that occasionally when you get a really good gap scheme team, like when they ran into Michigan that year um, at, at Notre Dame in 2019 where Michigan just boat raced them, because Michigan, all they did, Michigan had probably the best offensive line in the country that year, and all they did was just collapse everything down and pull and kick out. There was just nothing left, um, and they did a really good job, I think, with play designs and uh, some things that kind of got those linebackers either flat-footed or, or moving away from the play. But um, you know, when you when you blitz a lot, when you stun a lot, I, I think sometimes you leave yourself open to big plays. Obviously, um, it, it's a very high-risk, high-reward type type system because. When you're on and you're moving and you're getting good penetration, you got guys that are uh, fresh in there and you've got some, some a little bit of speed, a little bit of like quickness. I, I think you can counterbalance some of the some of the down blocks and things like that, and you can kind of disrupt some things. And that's kind of the goal. Like that's kind of like and honestly, like with Vanderbilt, like if you're gonna go two and ten again, like at least at least 
be far more aggressive on defense. At least play some aggressive coverages. At least try to match up man coverage. I think you've got some better corners to do so. I think you can do some combo stuff to where like you might you might play like match cover four, which is basically just off man. Um, you can get into some stuff where you have some personnel groups, and I'll get into more defensive personnel, but later. But like you have some corners now that's come from the portal that can play. Like you get Colby Taylor pressed up against somebody. Like I, I have a hard time believing that with his reach and kind of his strength at the size he is, that I have a hard time believing that if he sticks his big paw in your chest, like you're, like you, you're not, your your timing's off, right? And that's a wrap. Like Marlon Jones, he is somebody that was all conference. Granted, he played at a smaller school, and I I get that, and I get I get where people are coming from on that, but like he's good. He's all conference for a reason, and so um, it, it's it's going to be an aggressive style, and I'm here for it. And the concerns are with aggressiveness is sometimes you slant yourself out of the play, sometimes you blitz yourself, sometimes you call the wrong blitz at the wrong time, and you end up leaving big giant gaps. Or uh, if a blitz doesn't get home, you you end up kind of leaving your guys out to dry on the back end, and and that happens from time to time. Hell, it happened to Georgia, and they're considered the best defense in the country every single year. That stuff happens to Georgia. That stuff happens to Alabama. Like against Michigan, Alabama's getting gassed, and they have a well respected defense. So like good defenses are still going to get gassed. So when you when you so I implore you when you go to look at Clark Lee highlights and Clark Lee's stuff from uh, time as defense coordinator at Notre Dame, like you're going to see him. Like Davis Mills is an NFL quarterback. He was throwing some freaking dimes to his receivers, and they were making play, they were making one on one plays. Like those were physical matchups. Those weren't scheme related things. Those were man to man like physical matchups that their receiver won and Davis Mills threw a perfect ball. Like there's some things that happen against these defenses. So like, I think for people to get kind of bent out of shape as far as, well, they gave up big plays at Notre Dame. Well, yeah. I mean, Kirby smart gives up big plays. He's considered one of the top defensive minds in all of college football. Right. Um, People give up big plays. Like they things are designed for the offense. And to know that, like for the most part, you're going to get a group that plays hard. They're going to play physical and they're going to swarm, and they're going to they're going to tackle well. That's going to be an emphasis. So, like you're going to see a better defense. Are, are they going to? And you're going to see a defense that is going to create a lot of good opportunities for themselves, a lot of takeaways and things like that. So, um, for that, I'm I'm kind of excited about that. But you've got to take the good with the bad. You know, you've got to take the the bad with the good. Yes, you're going to create a few more takeaways. Um, but also, yes, you're going to give up 20-yard gash plays on third and long. Like it's just it's just going to happen every once in a while. Teams are going to get you, but you can't get you can't dwell on that and you can't you can't sit there and cry over spilled milk. Got to move on. So, and just like that, I'm going to move on. So, we'll get more into the minutia of the scheme and kind of where specific guys fit like personnel stuff. So, we'll we'll get more into that as as we go as well. So, uh, stay tuned for that also uh, later on down the road. So that's going to be uh, it's going to be fun, especially when spring practice starts. Uh, when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show. We're going to take a, a very very quick break. We're going to wrap up the show uh, talking about. We're going to wrap up the show. And we're gonna, we're going to say we're going to see why Jacob Humphrey is going to make a big impact in the in the outfield. So stay tuned.
All right, welcome back. It is the uh, last and final segment of tonight's show, or today's show, I should say, not tonight, uh, depending on when you're watching this. This is the first day of February. After a long 75 days of January, it is finally February. So uh, welcome in. Um, Locked on Vandy Podcast, thank you for making us your first listen. Make sure Locked on SEC is your second listen of the day. And uh, we appreciate that. And every dayers. We appreciate you as well. I appreciate you. I say we like I have this big giant team around me. I'm a team of one. I'm a one-man wolf pack. So, all right. Uh, Vandy Baseball, they got a loaded roster. And part of that roster is guys they've added in the transfer portal. We've talked uh, Jaden Davis as a transfer infielder, utility player. We've talked um, uh, Levi Huseman transferring in from Coastal Carolina. Uh, today, we're going to look at Jacob Humphrey uh, from UMass Lowell. All right. He's uh, he's an outfielder. Um, he can kind of really play anywhere, but I, I think he's going to uh, I think he's going to make an impact in the outfield. Um, probably left or right field. Uh, he comes in with a 317 average. Uh, he comes in as a junior. He stole 79 bases over those two seasons. He had 46 in his freshman season. Um, he has just 11 total home runs, so he's not a big-time power hitter. Um, he's a guy that's going to slap the ball and, and run, and he's going to be a guy that, that's going to get on base and, and drive the ball into gaps and things like that. He played center field at UMass Lowell. Um, he also played second base, shortstop, and right field, probably all at the same time, given that program. Like He played it all at the same time. I kid, but um, he's he's going to be competing against uh, Calvin Hewitt, Matthew Polk, J.D. Rogers, Troy Leneve, and uh, probably R.J. Austin um, for a spot um, in the outfield. And I think that's kind of where he's going to make the impact. I think all of those guys are going to make impacts. I think R.J. Austin's going to be your starting center fielder, so I don't think center field's in the cards uh, for him, but I, I think – Right field is a definite possibility for for a left-hander. That's kind of where you want to put your left-handers is in right field because you have that really good angle to throw to the plate, and uh, you know you're covering the uh, the foul line with your throwing arm. But um, I really kind of like how he plays. You know, you you have a mix, you have a good mix of power guys, but like if you're going to score runs, you got to have guys on base to to drive in and he's somebody that's going to get on base and he's going to, he's going to kind of make the defense have to worry about him because, because of the steals and because of his running ability. So um, getting a really, really solid piece here. Not sure. Like there's a lot of answers to be had with this Vanderbilt baseball team. Like Tim Corbin's got a lot of things to figure out as far as like his starting lineup, who's batting where, who's playing where, like, I don't think there's a whole lot of spots that are locked up so to speak. I think there's a few, but there's not a ton, right? And we talked uh, Carter uh, Holton, who is, who's finally back from injury, um, and he's he's actually throwing some good stuff. He's got some good command. He's working on command, of, a better command of his pitches, and he's actually working on a new pitch. It's called the, it's called the Terminator. Um, no, I'm just kidding. That's a major league reference. Um, so it's uh, – it's it's it's, it's going to be a loaded roster, and, and and these transfer guys and these guys coming off injuries are going to have to find kind of find their way into 
a little niche here. Like RJ Austin was like Mr. Swiss Swiss Army knife. Like talked about him yesterday. He's gonna have to factor in. He's probably, if he wants to play consistently, gonna have to play outfield, which is fine by him. All right. Um, you know, Lenev Lenev is somebody that's gonna be playing in the outfield. He's gonna factor in. Like these guys that can hit consistently and get on base, whether they hit for power or not, that's irrelevant. But as long as they can drive the ball, put runs across the plate, and and support the pitching, I, I think those guys are going to be the guys that find themselves consistently in the lineup. And, and I think Jacob Humphrey can definitely be one of those guys. So um, excited, excited, excited about this team. Like I, I, you know, when it comes to baseball, it, it's it's a team that I've that it, you know it's one of those teams you, you look at and you're like, man, this is uh, this is a team that's loaded. This is a team that has a chance to really do some things. And, and, and a team that, if they get an injury or two, they're going to be okay. Like, they have a pitching staff that I think could win every game. You know, obviously they won't because that's just kind of how baseball is. But um, but they have this capability. of Like, their weekend rotation is really, really strong. Their bullpen is really strong. It de- it's going to depend on, like – the bullpen guys, like how consistently they can come in and throw strikes. I know that sometimes that's a concern. I think if you're a pitcher and, and you haven't had concern with uh, with command and walks occasionally, you're just not pitching. You're probably just not throwing at all. Um, but you know, one of the things that you know that you would like to see a storyline coming into the season is like the pitching staff. Um, can they grow into better pitchers? And less of throwers of the baseball, so that that'll be interesting. And of course, Jacob Humphrey again um, is is exciting. He's exciting the possibilities because he has a really good batting average. He's a guy that can once he gets on base, he's going to wreak havoc, and and we, we we like that. So, Fanny Boy's going to be strong. Let's just let's just put it out there. I'm going to end the show with that. That's the nugget I'm going to give you. The Vandy Boys are going to be strong, and it's going to be partly because of Jacob Humphrey in some form or fashion. He's going to be there and a fixture somewhere. So anyway, that's going to do it for us here on the Locked On Vandy Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. Thank you for making us your first listen. Follow us, like us, subscribe us, find us, give us feedback, and all that good stuff. And until then, we'll see you back here tomorrow. We'll, we'll wrap up the week. And uh, we'll, we'll get you uh, get you ready to roll and get you one step closer to opening day and the start of spring practice. Anchor down. Goodbye.